Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in again to another episode of Level Up. I got some good news and bad news. The good news for this episode is you are about to hear from one of my best friends, Rex Crane, and one of the most inspirational people I've ever met in my life. And this episode will help you in life and a lot of uh, aspects will change your life. The bad news is, thanks to Western Digital calling y'all out right now, the the hard drive didn't work and messed up. So it messed up my audio. Rex is fine. Everything looks fine. And he sounds great. But unfortunately, for this one episode, bear with me in my audio because it's not great. But the content is phenomenal. So please listen. And thank you so much for leveling up. There you have it. Welcome to Level Up with Matt Rogers. I am Matt Rogers. I'm pumped, man. Today, as always, I'm, I'm really proud of the guests that we have on this show, Eli. They're high-quality guests. That's Eli Adelman. He is our producer, sound technician, smartest man in the room always. <laughs> I love introing you, Eli. Just a few things. Uh, today's guest is, I'm just going to say it, this is going to go beyond a half-hour show. So whether we... We'll make split this, it up, man. Yeah, whether we split it up or we just run it for an hour, I don't know yet. By the time you're listening to this, you will already know. Uh, if you're listening on your iPhone, if you're listening to Apple Tunes, or if you're watching on YouTube or any other social media, you can see at the bottom how long this one's going to be. If it's less than a half hour, there's going to be a part two. Yep. I can say that right now. What's been your favorite part so far, Eli, as we're walking out this journey of Level Up? Man, I think just inspiring stories that i'm hearing from all these guests um i know i say that a lot but it's just really cool to see people overcome trials absolutely and, and really just like fall into where they're supposed to be in life absolutely so. well with, with that being said you cannot have a better guest to do that than the gentleman we have today and this is what level up is level up is a raw talk on real subjects that is a level up from surface level conversations. I like to ask questions that most hosts might be afraid to ask. And sometimes they're going to give answers that may or may not offend the, uh, the average person. And these are subjects that pertain to every listener, no matter where you are in life. Like Eli said, we believe that people's stories can inspire other people. And that's what this is. This is to inspire you. And this is to help you level up in any area of your life. With that said, our guest today is the one and only Rex Crane. So for those of you who don't know him, Rex is a worldwide speaker, motivational speaker. Uh, the first time I saw Rex was in front of five to 7,000 people. And I'm like, holy smokes, this guy has something that I want and I need to be around him. So fast forward now, wherever it's been seven or eight years later, uh, to call him a friend uh, y'all have no idea how much I value that. And I honor that he is, uh, one of my best friends. I will say that. And I'm very proud to say that because when I first saw him, I just said, I want to be around the guy. And now I call him my friend. So for him to be on this, I, I'm going to tell you this, your life will be better in at least one area after you listen to this episode. So with that being said, Rex Crane, are you there? Come on, I'm here. Good to be with you. This is awesome. Level up. 
Come level on. up. Look at me right here in Springfield, Tennessee. You're in Canada right now at your in-laws, huh? In Vancouver, quarantining. Get it. It's like a 10-day, 14-day quarantine before we can go out in the real world. But here for Christmas. What is behind you? That is not a fake backdrop. That's real. That's the real deal. That's the Pacific Ocean. It is uh, the oceans behind me today. So this is a great way to do <laughs> to do this segment. This is freaking great. So it's beautiful. That's the ocean behind us. And there's an eagle haven on top of us. So it's pretty cool. What's an eagle haven? It's where they teach their young to fly. So they're massive nest. And then they, they mate and they have their young. And when they give birth to their young, they keep them in the nest for a certain season. And then they teach them how to fly. So they'll go over around this little area and they teach them how to do circles. They teach them how to dive. They teach them how to be able to use their wings and fly. It's really cool. So it's like National Geographic on steroids. <laughs> okay, so obviously you're at your in-laws, which means your beautiful wife Katrina is there with you, and your awesome yeah. daughter Kira is there with you. Are you yes. are you constantly like what you know? I said you know what's an Eagle Haven, and you just threw that out for me. Like, do you sit Kira down and like is everything like a story with you? Like, Kira, let me tell you what this <laughs> Eagle Haven. Like, do you do that? I probably do it maybe a little bit too much, but, but yes, truthful. Uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes just be free and play. But I see things as pictures. I think see things as stories. I see life as a story. That's what I actually really love about this whole thing of Level Up is you're helping people tap into these stories that turn ideas for people into reference points and in beliefs and broaden their perspectives, their attitudes, find new ways to hack their minds, their life, and you know get better results, improve the quality of their life. This is really cool. I'm excited because, I mean, so for most of you who have heard Rex, if you haven't, you're going to listen to him forever now that you're listening to him. But when Rex is on stage or on a microphone, he is constantly empowering other people. He's empowering you. So you're going to get that by default today. But what I'm excited about is to talk about you and your story because you tell little stories and stuff from stage, but we never, I've never really heard anyone dive deep into Rex Crane. So we're going to do that, and by default, he is just going to, uh, like a machine gun, spit wisdom, empowerment, and encouragement all over you. So with that being said, so I said in the intro, the first time I saw you was about five to six, 7,000 people you were speaking in front of, and I got to imagine it did not start with 5,000 people. How, like, where did you start? What about Rex before we saw you now? You know, it's it's interesting. I, I played baseball for a career at a high school. I signed up with the Boston Red Sox organization and was set on doing something like that for a career. I had an incredible opportunity. was very, very, you know, devoted and gifted to perfecting that craft and seeing how far you can take it and hopefully having a really long major league, you know, life and what that lifestyle provide. That was the dream. And it was interrupted or disrupted, I would say, through a conversation. And, you know, I always think like if, you know, my creator's trying to increase me. He brings people along my path that have me have great conversations. And if, you know, life's trying to defeat me, then somebody negative or somebody really comes along the path to try to mess it all up. This woman, I had a conversation with a 76-year-old woman. She disrupted it on the way to spring training. She started talking to me. She said, you know, I think you're going to be someone that changes millions of people's lives. And you're going to speak and change people. And I go... I think you got the wrong guy. <laughs> I think you got the wrong guy. I play baseball for a career. She goes, no. She says, you're going to help millions of people find freedom and who they're meant to be. And I, you know, I kind of walked away going, you know, what do I do with all this? 
And from the result of that, she would write me letters every week. And that started this conversation of, I think the question began to change my mind. Am I cheating on who I could really be with who I currently am? Oh my gosh. See, and see what he does, man. <laughs> her questions like Matt, her questions. And she would write me weekly. She would write me a little inspirational note because we didn't have, I think we just had beepers at that time. We had beepers. <laughs> you got 76 year old ladies yeah. beeping you on your paycheck, cuz. She, she, she was, uh, she's talking to me. But she would write me these little letters and I'd get them in the clubhouse, the club, he would bring them in. And I'd go and like hide in the stall, like bathroom stall, so I could read them because they'd make me emotional. And she would always say, don't, don't quit. Someone's waiting for you on the other side. And I never thought of my life in that component, like, oh my goodness, I'm going to impact other people. I thought, I love playing baseball. People come out and watch. That's fun. I love the craft. I love the, the process. I love all of it from baseball. I love it. Slept with my glove, even at 16 years old. <laughs> that was like a freaking deal. And then now all of a sudden I'm questioning, uh, is this really what I want to give my life to? So do you and think, I, I was going to say, do you think, like she just saw a young guy and she wanted to encourage him? Or do you think she was like a prophetess or a woman of God that was sent there to build you up? Like, who was she? Like, what do you think? I'll use the term. I think she was just a grandma that was really into like letting God use her to bring things out. Cause she saw something in me. I didn't see myself. And I use the term when I speak a lot of times and it, to a Christian audience or a spiritual audience, it might make sense, but maybe to the uh, a not in spiritual audience, that word. But she, I use the term, she prophesied me blind. <laughs> she made me blind to everything I thought was a reality. And the more her conversation happened, a world began to exist that I didn't know existed. And all of a sudden, I started having like these cravings. It's like if you get pregnant, you know, when Katrina, my wife, got pregnant, her cravings changed. And right. all of a sudden, these desires and I started thinking about, well, how could I make a difference? How could I solve? I always like to solve problems. I always like to help people relationally or boost people, inspire people. I was a part of children's hospitals, things like that. When I was playing baseball or helping kids that were with disabilities and wheelchairs or Down syndrome, things like that. I love that. I really, really love that. So I always had like this compassionate side to me. But once she, uh, her letters are really began to uh, cause this conversation, I began to pray. And I really, really began to pray like, God, is this really the God idea? Is this the plan? Is this the dream? Is this the destiny for my life? And if it is, I don't know the next steps. I don't know how this is all going to work. And I remember it was a really like maybe like about a three month, four month process where there's a struggle. It was like an inner civil war. My head was rejecting something my spirit was craving. Wow. You ever been there? Like oh, yeah. where your head, your, your, your heart demands something, but your head rejects it. <laughs> so it, your head goes back to like what you're used to and what you're familiar with and what you're good at. And yet you have this dream that's bigger than life. Something that desire that's bursting inside of your heart. And then you're like, Oh my goodness. But if I invest in it, I'm a, am I going to lose myself? Am I going to lose? What am I going to lose? And that rather than the question of, well, what am I going to gain? And so I think I held back for a little bit. And then uh, on December, uh, would have been on December 12th, uh, just like three days ago, many, many years ago, uh, I made the, uh, when we're filming this here, I made the decision and uh, I walked away. Unbelievable. Do you, I mean, were you, did you grow up 
hearing God's voice, a religious guy going to church, like, or were you a kind of a bad guy at that time when she said all this to you? Uh, mom and dad grew me up really, really good. My have great like parents that lived in faith and loved God. And I didn't have, I think I um, took on their faith. I don't know if I developed my own relationship with God. A couple nights prior to this experience, I had prayed and said, uh, Jesus, if you're real, it was March 7th, 1996. 8.44 p.m. Wow. True story. I said, if you're real, I would like a relationship with you. If it's just all fantasy, then I don't. And then two days later, I walked into Louise Hicks, the 76-year-old woman. Oh, wow. Wow. That's so, a true story. Because people always wonder, like, how do you know when God's speaking to you? And do I have to read the Bible? Or how do I pray? Is it different for everybody? Because, I mean, you hear all types of stories. Yeah, well, I think God does anything he can to, you know, God gets more glory out of all of our success than out of our failures. So he's always speaking and reaching out. He speaks through nature. He speaks through the Bible because, you know, the Bible says faith comes when you hear him talk. But he also sends people along your path to speak into your life, to encourage you, to, you know, to pull out of the greatness inside you, to place demands on your potential so that, you know, you level up. You don't settle for where you are. Right. Because I believe that about God. I think God's always after all what he put inside you. I agree that hundred percent. I mean, and, and this podcast is something God has laid on my heart, which is why I'm laying it out there. And I really, yeah. I, I intentionally try not to make it a quote Christian broadcast, but loving the Lord is who I am. And I can't help but bring it out regardless of who I'm talking to, whether it's a spirit filled Christian or whether it's an atheist that think Jesus Christ and the Easter bunny are the same thing. But I'm, I'm saying that to say wherever you're at in life, if you're listening to this right now, this probably is one of those points where God is speaking to you. So you're not listening to this by accident, whether, you know, 76-year-old grandma shared it with you or whether you just stumbled across the things that was recommended to you by Apple. But uh, I would say stay here and listen to this for about the next 30 minutes because the best is yet to come. One thing that I've loved about you, Rex, is that you kind of opened my eyes to, we always think opportunity is something we have to say yes to, and, oh, God brought this across my past, so I got to say yes to it. But you've taught me personally how important it is to use the word no and say no to certain things. What can yeah. you tell people? What, what did you say no to in your life, and what should? how do people know what to say no to? Well, I think if you don't have a firm basis of what life's about for you and a sense of purpose, then you have nothing to evaluate your decisions. So you dabble with everything and we flirt with things rather than commit to anything. But reality is formed around what we're committed to. And usually it's not like, I know a lot of people love to blame the devil, love to blame the government, but that's usually not why we're not further along in life. It's usually lack of commitment, but lack of commitment comes from, I don't have tenacity and I don't have the commitment level because my purpose is insecure. Right. I, I try this, I try that. So I think settling upon an aim, and I use this as a, a hook for me because Wisdom is knowing what to ignore in your life. Opportunity is everywhere. And I think the best story that pulled it out, I went to go to Bruce Lee's kickboxing school. <laughs> a friend of mine took me there one time. And so we're down in Carson, California. And I got there and all the male like fighter guys that were in there, they already had someone they were going to spar, hold bags with and hit. And so there was this little, uh, little woman. She was about, you know, maybe about 25 years old. And she was about five feet tall. And she said, Hey, you know, you can, we can go, we can do together. We, you can hit my bags and I'll hold these, these bags and you can hit them. And I thought in my mind, oh my goodness, I'm too strong. I'm going to hit a girl, knock her out. I'm going <laughs> to punch her. 
And so I'm like, no, 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 I'll wait for one of the guys. And I try to like, kind of downplay the story. And she goes, come on, just do it. And in my mind, I'm thinking, no, I'm too strong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock you out. And then she goes, come on, just hit me, you wuss. And she, she kind of plays the, you know, just kind of a little jab at me. So, all right, let's go for it. So I went to hit her and I used all my energy out here to swing. <laughs> Those and when haymakers? She straight, yeah, she was straight shot, popped me right in the face. Well, I was using all my energy out here. And so then I'm like, okay, I'm going to fake one way and come around the other way. And she went pop, pop. And she said, let me teach you a lesson. And this is really good what I'm saying here, watch. She goes, that's what most people do. They spend their so much time trying to extend so far and they use their energy so far out here when you have most power and most pop with what's in front of you. Most people live life like a shotgun rather than a freaking rifle. A shotgun explodes in a hundred pellets and a million directions, but they lose their velocity and their power after about 10 feet. They can hit about 20 feet away and bounce off your freaking arm. But when you take a rifle, you got to aim it at something because if you don't have a vision for your future, you're going to always return to your past. Oh, Having the idea, think about that, you know, a mental picture of a future state is the bridge from where you are to where you want to go. 89% of what we learn and we engage in, it's visually. And the idea is, you know, if sight's function of our eyes, vision's a function of your heart, vision, it does something to you. It simplifies life. It shows you what to say yes to no to. You'll do less, but you'll deliver more. Our challenge is we want too much variety and we don't focus on exactly what we're committed to being committed to doing and committed to having and going into being in this new year. Let me just throw a little idea. If there was one word that you would be committed to being, and I want to challenge people on this because so many people have vision for, I want to make uh, $200,000. I want to build this business. Well, that's fantastic. If you don't grow, you're going to suffer. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel unfulfilled. So I always like to have like a vision for who I'm going to become, what I'm going to be about, but this simplifies my life. It tells me who to partner with where to put my time, my investment of energy, resources, and it shows me what to say no to. I've turned down a lot of opportunities. Yesterday, in fact, I met with a, a group of people that wanted me to come on. They offered me money, but you know what? I was on the middle of the conversation, and when I got off, I turned to Katrina and said, you know what? I don't think that's the right thing for me to do. Hmm. And, she, and they go, they offered me a good amount of money to do something, to come on and speak, to speak to all these people. And they have a lot of great people involved in it, people in the NBA, things of that nature. I go, but I don't feel like that's the right thing because this is not what I'm about. Wow. That gave me, let me almost be like a surgeon, taking a sword and cutting away things that are false in my life or cutting away things that aren't going to forward me. And I think that's a big thing. Most people don't. So they say yes to everything because right. we were raised probably a lot of our generation by people that uh, were generalists. That came from the Renaissance. Like you do a little bit of everything. You just do a little bit of everything. You don't master anything. You just do a little bit of everything. And so everyone's thinking, oh, that's cool. Let's jump on that train. That's cool. Let's jump on that train. But man, I don't know about you. I want to tap into um, if let's use this for a minute, because I think this is kind of a cool little idea. And this is something I believe in. I live in. It's me, but it's also something I teach. My similarity to you, Matt, and to whoever else is listening, it creates comfort. Mm -hmm. But your difference and my difference is what creates rewards. Many times we don't have commitment because we study what's similar in our life and we're trying to fit in with people. But if I discover my difference, I will recognize what people need from me. That shows me what to focus on. So most people never studied their difference. They study their similarity. For real. And like Plato, Plato said, a life unexamined is not worth living. But think about it. What do you love to think about, learn about, read about, study about? 
if you were to be paid $100 a day for the rest of your life and you were to uh, commit and create something with that, what would that be? I always like to ask the greatest question, whatever draws the compassion out of you, you are assigned to bring healing to on the planet. Hands down, don't matter your background, your pedigree, you, you have five bucks in the bank or you got $500 million in the bank. If you can draw out and understand what draws the compassion out of you, that makes you so necessary on the planet because God has designed you to Amen. bring healing and change to that. Now I know what to ignore. It's true, which is why, I mean, people's lives are so important. And now more than ever, people have such a low view of themselves and their destiny. And I always got to remind people like, look, man, he created you in his image for a reason. And yeah. it's exactly like what you said. And, you know, I think one of the biggest lies on the planet is suicide because people think they're taking something that's theirs. It ain't your life that you're taking. It's what God put in you and you're taking from him, not, not yourself. So to hear you say that is, uh, it, it, I hope it wakes some people up to, to know what their potential is and, and why they're here. You said something really cool because a couple nights ago, um, <laughs> I won't say where it was, 1,700 <laughs> people jammed in a building and the police threatened to shut us down everything because of, you know, tyrannical knock lockdown stuff. Right. And uh, in the midst of this whole experience, um, this gentleman, he's about six foot, he's like your size, six foot five, six foot six, big buff guy. Gorgeous. And he's all dark and handsome like me. <laughs> yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous, <laughs> GQ, you name it. Uh, he stood up and he goes, I need help. And he began to talk about how the last 20 months he had tried to commit suicide. He's a dad, Jeez. a husband. He's in his maybe late thirties, early forties. He tried to commit suicide twice, really severe. And I just said to everybody in the crowd, I said, you know, if you feel overwhelmed because of what's happening in life, maybe because of the way 2020 has been or what's going on in your world, you're a great person. You got all these wonderful things to live for, but you just feel overwhelmed by life. If that's you right now, I want you to have the courage to tell yourself the truth and stand up for your life. Stand up. I'm going to help you. 23 people instantaneously stood. And I went away that night thinking, you know what? Uh, they're, they're feeling this way, number one, because of what's happening around them, but also because they lack direction and vision and purpose within them. Mm. They don't know who they're going to become. They don't know where they're going and they're waiting for some outside force to determine and define that for them. And so the challenge is they're living, you know, you misdiagnose, you mistreat. Mm -hmm. They've misdiagnosed their life because of what they're going through that they forgot what they're going to. You can't, you can't cut away anything in your life that doesn't work until you know what you're going to, who you're going to become and uh, who you're committed to becoming and who, what you're committed to creating. Amen. I want to get a little bit personal with you too, because a lot yeah. of people see <clears throat> this side of you. And in, unless they read one of your first books, I know you're not promoting it right now, but I am going to promote it for you because it's one of the first things I read by Rex. It's called life lift. You can still get it on Amazon and everywhere. If you don't know where to yeah. get it, email me. I will get you a copy. This book was a game changer for me. And I do want to get personal with you because you said something in this book. That's always stuck with me because you're so positive and, you know, when you look at you, you see the success. But there's a part in your book where you talk about what you just said, like the insecurity, feeling yeah. down. And, and here's what you said, and I'd love for you to comment on it because, I mean, you've been there. It talks about insecurity. You said in your book, how do you see yourself when you're going through something you didn't think that you'd ever go through? 
Well, I know what it's like to suffer from this kind of insecurity. I went through a hard setback many years ago when someone in my life walked out on me and she said that she didn't want to be a part of me anymore. A great deal of my identity was wrapped up in her. So after she left, I didn't enjoy myself. I was broken and feeling abandoned, lost and rejected. Suffering from insecurity one minute, I was up and the next I was down, meteor minded, as they say. <laughs> you went through that. And I know that at least half of the people listening right now are going through something similar. How do you get over that? And how do these people get a, a rebound off of, you know, arguably one of the worst years in their life, let alone yeah. worst years maybe on the planet? I think, uh, really with a perspective, when you go through something, you think it's going to be forever. You think it's permanent. And uh, immediately when I went through that, with a really, really challenging time there, suffering from depression, and yet when you have to be out from in front of people, you have to be on. You have to act like you got it all together. But then you go home and you're in pain. And I think you either run to uh, the refuge or a refuge. And I ran to God. I ran to relationships that were empowering me. I ran into being honest. I think for the first time in my life, I just got really honest with myself. Things I liked, things I didn't like. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel. But then I had a really great piece of wisdom that came to me in that time. And a gentleman helped me with this. I think I became more recognized for saying it, but I think it came from him. You're never what you feel. You're what you decide. Because the feelings you feel when you go through a relational setback, a physical setback, a financial setback, you lost your job, you're on furlough, uh, your, your business is closed down, you can't open and you, you're upside down. You feel all of these feelings. And for me, you want to medicate that because you, you hurt you, you're in pain, you're in suffering, so you're in trauma. So you rhyme it, if you will, you can nurse it, you curse it and rehearse it. <laughs> and you play this story over in your head over and over and over. You talk to people about it and it actually just grows like a, like a cancer. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, the thing was when the gentleman said it to me, Rex, you're not what you feel. You're what you decide. It gave me the freedom that I have options. I may not be where I want to be. People have chosen that they didn't want to uh, have a future with me. I, but for me to heal, I have to realize I have emotions. I'm not my emotions. And this isn't going to last forever. So I can have a comeback. I can have a resurgence. I can rebound based on my perspective. Am I buried here or am I planted? And that's what I would ask most people right now in am your I mind. Am I buried here or am I planted? Wow. Look at it. My, pers my perspective is either my passport or my prison. For me, it was a prison for a long time. And that oppression and that depression starts to unravel your reasoning, your ability to think, imagine, make decisions. And so all of a sudden you start living by this default rather than by design and life starts doing something with you. That happened. Mm -hmm. Yet I was still gifted and skilled to do something on the outside. I remember coming back. I just met with Heidi Klum and Seal. Wow. And they were and these and I think Siegfried and Roy were in the back and stuff. We were in Vegas. And this was back some years ago. But I remember sitting there going. I should be enjoying, I should be having so much fun. I should be having all these great things, all these great things are happening on the outside, but I'm in pain on the inside. Mm. And uh, man, I, I remember even opening the sunroof one night and I said, God, I was thinking it was in Malibu, Ken, I was going to end my life. Mm. And I was so much pain. And I rolled down the window of the sunroof and I said, God, tell me something nice about me. <laughs> I don't want to hear about what a great job I did speaking, who I did help and all that. Just tell me something nice about myself. 
And that night changed my life. I what remember that night. I, night changed my life. I went home and what did God back. say? What did God say about you? What what nice did he say about you? He began to tell me, he goes, Rex, he says, if you'll trust me, my love will give you a comeback and a beyond. It won't just be a catch up to where you were. It'll be beyond what you think, but trust me. And you'll have me trust me, but I love you. I'm committed to you as a person more than whatever you could do or whatever you could do, you know, to help people use your gift. He said, I'm committed to you as a person. And I remember I said, the funniest things. It sounds funny to say, man, I started saying that over myself, like God loves me. God's in me. I receive it. Then I would say, I would practice smiling. It sounds so funny to say. I practice smiling. <laughs> like what? You'd look in the mirror and smile or what? Yeah, and feel like an idiot, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, Eli, because, do you ever practice smiling? Man, yeah, because motion smiling. creates emotion. You have 82 muscles in your face. So I can build my biceps by doing curls. I build my triceps by building pull downs. I build my lats by pulling pull downs. I build my abs by doing sit ups. You build your just. And I have 82 muscles inside of my face. And that affects so much of the dopamine, the serotonin that goes into my brain. That gives me the feeling of ease. And I was feeling so much anxiety. And at that time, just by practicing smiling, it settles your heart rate. It bolsters your immune system. If you do it for five minutes a day, it will release dopamine in your brain. It actually speeds up your metabolism, where if you did it over 10 minutes a day, you can actually start to lose weight just from the power of smiling. That's, you know, and it, it's true. And I didn't think about this until you just said this, but my wife, Terry and, and baby Sam, she's six years old. They were in the car like two days ago. Sam got on something because she's such a drama queen, but she started <laughs> crying. And in the middle of her crying, she thought of something or she did something where she started laughing. So she's yeah. doing the thing where she was laughing and crying at the same time. She goes, <laughs> and within like a minute, she was laughing harder than she was crying. And then she ended up like on a high note. So to hear you say that, it's like, wow, I've actually seen my, well, my kid And when do you that. do that, it's amazing. You could actually start to feel better just by doing that. And so that I practiced that. To me, at first, it was a suggestion uh, from somebody. And I thought, oh, shoot, but I had nothing to lose. I was feeling pain. It right. made me more grateful. I realized, and hopefully people listening, the last six days, 1 million people have left the earth. You're still here. If you have a roof over your head tonight, not the one you want, but the one you have, you're in the top 24% of the people in the world, the richest. If you have a 15 American dollars, Matt, to your name tonight, like anybody else, you are in the top 12% richest people in the freaking world. But you start overlooking all these things because you're going through trauma. And I think realizing, number one, I'm not what I feel. I'm what I decide. I still got options and choices. Where I am is not going to last forever. That immediately lifts off this helplessness and hopelessness. And then I started just kind of practicing being in a good mood. Right. People would say like, man, you're going through it. I go, yeah, but I just decided to be in a good mood. They go, people ask me all the time. They go, why are you so happy? I'm like, because I chose to be. Right. I didn't wait feeling in a good mood. I didn't want my mood to decide what kind of day I'm going to have. So little sleep, pressures, whatever you got in your life. Today, I'm going to be in a good mood. Today's the only day I'm ever going to live. And I know that if I'm going to really be great as a lover, as a husband, as a, as a friend, as a, as a speaker, whatever I do, then I, I'm going to perform so much better if I just decide to be in a good mood. Let me ask you a really, really tough question, because this is something that really bothers my heart. Yeah. And, I, and I really don't know the answer. I think I, you know, I have judgments and opinions, which don't mean anything, but this is a tough one for me. In, in 2020, I heard yeah. about more powerful public ministers 
of the of God, and I know how much they love God, that took their own life and committed suicide. Some of them did it right in front of their family, and I know this is a little bit touchy subject because some of them are your friends, and you've you've spoken with them, and you know them personally. My question is, when I'm talking to you, you know who you are, and you said, you know, in my in my darkest times, I ran to God, I talked to God. What happened to these ministers that know God and have been preaching their whole life, and they still take their life? Like, how does that happen if they really know God? Like, it's such a tough question, but it hurts, and I don't know the answer. Because you're, you know, you know God, you talk to God, and, you know, in some cases, they've been doing it longer than you and I both have combined. How does that happen? I think of not taking care of your soul, and you become a human doing rather than a human being, and most of these people had amazing hearts, amazing to commit themselves to better humanity for all these years, and to touch people and love people at their worst, and they take personal hurts, and they take it on where they hold on to hurt rather than release it. They got burnt out in being human doings and always performing and not taking care of their soul, building relationships where they had friendships just based on who they were, not on what they do. Because a lot of that is so much brings variety, the juice, the spice of life that you need so something doesn't become stale. Because when something becomes bored or you even become boring anything, you know, life loses its taste, it loses its luster, and you stop seeing things to invest in. And ultimately, at some point, they started to believe a lie that life was not worth living, that the pain would never go away. And I remember um, I had a guy, um, really, really cool guy, Tim Story. He called me and he said, Rex, he said, this pain will pass. It might not feel like that. It feels like a life sentence when it's only going to be a life season, unless you decide to make this your whole life and let the issue become your identity but it will pass. It did not feel like that when you're in the middle. That's why I learned in that stage, you're not what you feel, you're what you decide because man, those emotional highs and lows, what people are feeling right now, the emotional highs and lows, financially highs and lows. And I think what happens is a lot of those great men and women who've unfortunately made that really horrific decision is it became short-sighted. If they were seeing life from a longer perspective and it with more clarity, then they wouldn't make those decisions, right. but they got stuck in a moment and they chose not to get out of it or go reach for help. So hopefully if anybody's listening today and they do need help, hope they reach out to you. Hope they reach out to somebody and they say, Hey, I need help. That doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong. Like you're owning your life rather than just yeah. letting things take, take charge and run your day. Absolutely. And don't ever feel, if you're listening, don't ever feel like you can't reach out to me or, or email me and, and we will yeah. get back to you. And, uh, I, I can promise you that it, it just hurt. And you, you brought a lot of clarity to that for me. I just, one thing it, you made me think about it when you said they're human doings instead of human beings. Uh, my mom, who was the biggest source of encouragement in my life, she passed away in 04. Uh, her sister, who my aunt I'm really close with, she said, you know, Matthew, one thing that God told me about your mom versus me, she said, your mom knew how to enjoy God. She just loved who she was in God. And, she, and my aunt said, you know, God told me that Sam knows how to enjoy me where you're caught up in serving me. And there's a huge difference, kind of like that Mary and Martha thing where, you know, Jesus said she chose the greater one to enjoy yeah. me. So I just want to <laughs> challenge people to enjoy God instead of walking this tightrope. You got to do this. You got to do that. Like it's <laughs> his, his, his yoke is uh, his burden is light, right? His yoke is easy. 
And um, it's it's more okay. about it. You know, your Christianity is not your church attendance or what you know or memorize. It's more of just enjoying, seeking the kingdom, and and just. What if we re- What if we retired from being Christians and we just <laughs> became Jesus followers? I've met so many Christians that know nothing about Jesus. Hmm. Jesus was so enjoyable. No matter where you were in life, everybody wanted to be around him. And whether you consider him a political figure, a prophet, or your savior, uh, the reality is he existed on this planet. And in three years, three and a half years of working his calling, he put his calling before his comfort. I just want to throw that in there. So hopefully somebody else will decide (laughs) I'm not going to put my comfort before my calling. In three years, he revolutionized the world. So our calendars are uh, AD and (laughs) BT. One man split time with three and a half years of his work. He had a hundred miles geographically or kilometers of location and never went out of it. And he still changed the world. His message, his love, his freedom changed the world. And it took shaky people, gave him sturdy projects, empowered the lowly people, healed the sick people. And his name is still being talked about day in and day out all over this world. One man split time. And he was always in a good mood. <laughs> And still is, right? Whether they're cursing him, whether they were blessing him, it didn't phase him. He was in a good mood. Whether they said they're going to destroy him, throw him over a cliff, didn't matter what the political people did, he was in a good mood. And I love that. And I wanted that because that's attractive to me. To me, that's what I, I, Christianity sometimes is not attractive to me. I know so many people talk about Christian things and they don't have no concept of who Jesus is. As somebody that's really experienced Jesus and, I'm, and I really love him because he loved me. I, I know it. what he's done for me. I know what he's done for me. I've cha- I know how he's changed me. I know how he changes the way I live. He changes the way I love. He changes the way I feel. He's healed my body. He's healed my wife. Uh, death sentence. Um, I know it's my wife's been raped by a pastor. Struggle for sanity in her brain. Oh my God. I know what it's like for her to, him to give back sanity. I know what it's like to go into the darkest places in Africa and India, having my hands with children with AIDS and the impossible happens and resources and things of, you know, I know what it's like. He's so attractive. Religion, the whole, sometimes the Christianity thing makes him so untasteful because people got lost in, are you Christian rather than man? I met God. His name's Jesus. I met him. I've experienced him. How could I not talk about him? Anything good in my life is evolved out of that. I'm passionate about people because he's passionate about people. I want to see people succeed because he wants people to succeed. I want to love the worst people and see the best in them because he, that's the way he is. And I feel like that's so attractive where you could take on 12 business owners. He didn't go after any religious person. He took on 12 business owners. He liked the fact that people want to bet on themselves. He didn't need a bunch of crybaby on people that were religious people on a welfare spirit. He wanted people that were warfare. They wanted to create. They wanted to freaking conquer. They wanted to build big stuff. They wanted to do big things. And he knew they were shaky. Yeah, he placed great demands on them. And to me, that's so attractive. And in today's world, man, I think we could use a really great dose of him. (laughs) Amen. I mean, that just nails it. And I always believe that it's in the heart of every person to want a king like Jesus. They just don't know it because he's been so misrepresented. And the way that you talk about it, like that's attractive. Like you can't not want to know a little bit more about that, regardless of where you're at in life. Cause we've heard, we've heard the Christian story and the other stuff, but what you just said, like, wait, doesn't matter where I am. 
he's interested in me? Because I thought, you know, and a lot of people think like everyone's predetermined. Well, God chooses this one and then not that one. Well, that person will make up that like predestined because we take that, you know, predestined from the foundation of the world and we take that like predestiny, like, oh, you get it and you don't. But if that's the truth, what's the point of even evangelizing or praying in the first place, right? There's, there's no reason for faith in God created robots. And that would actually make him totally opposite of the way he says he is, which is merciful and kind, because that wouldn't be true. That would make him bipolar. And he's not pre-planned or predestined. If you want to use those words to anybody listening on this, from this standpoint, it just means he planned in advance. Every person's life would be a success. You're made in his image. God doesn't make something that he dooms for me. That would be dooming himself. He doesn't do that. He doesn't have an inner civil war going on. You're his offspring. You're the highest form of his creation. In fact, your very existence, even whether if you don't choose to believe in him, ever ask him to get involved in your life, he won't if you won't want him to. He'll stay away. He'll give you a life if you don't want him. You can do it on your own. You can do it the Frank Sinatra I did in my own way and have a self-made life. I was asked by uh, one of the biggest speakers in the world. You would all know him. I speak for a lot of his events. And they said, what do you use to get your results? And I said, you know, to be honest, I said, I use the, the Bible. I use Proverbs and Psalms. I go, I don't want to build my life on pop psychology, success stories, success motivation. Everybody now is an influencer of success. Right. It's success without significance. BS. You know me. I've been in homes with billionaires, billionaires. Right. And they're going, what do I do in my life? <laughs> I got everything. I got freaking, I got lost in the bathroom of one of their mansions. It's 46,000 square foot home. The butlers had to come find me because I got lost. And they're still sitting there going, I brought you here because I don't know what to do with my life. And I thought, who's the richest person in this place? I am. Right. I have the least amount of money, the least amount of the things, but I'm walking out because I know I got my wealth. I know who I am and I know what life's about. And I think that uh, it's a powerful statement, man. I, I, if we, uh, I, I hope that people would open their heart to, God, you make God feel good just the fact of your existence. Everything's were created for his pleasure. That means right now you give God pleasure. Even if you're not serving him, you still, there's things about your life that give him pleasure. Right. One thing that you taught me, because we talk about, you know, these billionaires and these people of success and they have things, yeah. but they're miserable. And you, you told me this a long time ago and I've never forgot it. You said, you know, Matt, the principles of Jesus lead to prosperity, but the person of Jesus leads to peace. And I know so many Christians that have peace, they know the Lord, but they don't have anything. They're sleeping on their, you know, daughter's couch or, you know, whatever. They don't have anything and they're waiting for God to show up. They have the person of Jesus. And then the flip side is, like you said, you have these billionaires that, that have everything, but they're miserable. They have no peace. And I believe, I know you believe, why not have both, right? Yeah, I think for a lot of, a lot of spiritual people are freaking lazy. <laughs> they're right. addicted to ap apathetic compliance. They could transform situations and their help they're looking for is at the end of their own hand. You know, at some point you got to put a stop to what's stopping you. And I think most people, well, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting and praying. Waiting well, on God. You got to, you got to act like you're the answer of your own prayer. You got to look like you're going to act as if it's really going to work out. And I think that's where faith comes in. I think a lot of people, they believe, but there's a lot of unbelieving believers. They just refuse to act on things. They don't have convicted enough. But if you don't work your land, you're not going to have an abundance in any area. You don't work your marriage, you're not going to have a good marriage. You don't work at being a great parent, you're not going to have great kids. You don't work at your skill level and improve your skill level, you're going to stay obscure. You'll stay in the background, you'll work a job and never have a calling or a career.
Because at some point, you have to be committed to building something. Diligent hands, they bring wealth. And I can have all these ideas and desires all I want, but until I do something with them, God works with you. And a lot of times, I think Christian spiritual people, we ask God to do for us what he wants to do with us. Right. Yeah, I always say, hey, God didn't give Noah an ark. He told him to build an ark. And some people are just sitting back on, the, sitting on their couch and be like, well, I'm just waiting on God. It's like, well, maybe God's waiting on you. You always say the first two letters of his name is go. G-O. There, so, there it is. Get off. Yeah, and, and, the, and the other two thirds of his name is do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you got the 564 times in the Bible, God talks about work. It's important. Right. God's a worker. He works six days. He's still a worker. So go. let me come back to you making it personal. Like, yeah. you haven't always been like this. Like, you know the Bible and you have so much that just comes out of you. It's not like, I mean, I've been in Hollywood for a while now. And, you know, I, I was a finalist in 04, I'm an idol. And then I, you know, hosted shows from there. So I've been, I've been in the game now for 16 years. There's so many people, like you said, influencers now. And, you know, they read a book or they read a catchphrase on an Instagram. It's like, okay, I'm an answer. That's not you. But my point is, this hasn't all like it comes out of you, but you weren't always like this, right? Like, what about like what's the 16-year-old Rex like and the, the 18? Like, what happened to you? How did you become like this? 16-year-old Rex, um, <laughs> struggling for identity, um, baseball, struggling, uh, drugs, dabbling with stuff, and I think trying to find who you are outside of your family finding out who you are, who you're going to be in the world. After, um, you know, baseball, gosh, 19, I committed to, I wanted to be a, a kind of certain person where I saw somebody else speak. He was the Raiders chaplain. And something jumped inside me to go, I could do that. Like there was like a, like a, somebody else modeled something and it influenced me in a way where I, I want to do that. And I was around him a lot. And I noticed that if we were, um, we went to a hotel and the maids, he would treat the maids one way. If we were with Robert Downey Jr., he would treat him the same way. If we were with the Crow Indians in the middle of Montana, we would do the same thing. And I'm like, man, there was contagious about that guy. Yeah. And I go, and I had never seen it like that. And I said, I want to be that kind of a person. Well, what does that person do? He always encourages people, whether he was up or whether he was down, whether he's going through things or not. And I go, I want to do that. Because I found his life was so much better than the one I was living. And there was something. And rather than let that defeat me, I go, man, I could adopt that and really hone in. I ask questions. Well, how can we do that? I ask questions on what to do. Right. And all of a sudden, I made that my. I said, this is the way I'm going to live my life. And some people, that really frustrates people. When you're in a good mood, you've, you've experienced that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it pisses Why are you so happy off. all the time? Why do you say I love you so much? It pisses people off when you're happy. It does. It's, it's shocking because it makes people bothered. Like you should be so serious. And, you know, I think, man, I want to be playful as a kid. You had such an imagination. You know what I mean? We jump in puddles, chase the ice cream truck when you didn't have money. Yep. You know what I mean? Things like that. <laughs> We're happy. Eli, look at Eli's like, yep. Did you chase the ice cream truck when you had no money? I, Eli? I lived on a busy street, so they never stopped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you had all this playfulness, this passion, this energy. You came out of your mama's womb with a shout. If you didn't, that doctor spanked your assets to make sure you had some type of a shout in you. 
But then you think like people shout gets reduced to a whisper. Yeah. How's life? Well, I'm fine. <laughs> fine. You ask people that four letter F word is screwing people's lives up more than anything. How are you? I'm fine. How's your relationships? They're fine. How's my fine. That F word F's you up. <laughs> think about it. It's not painful enough to do something about because I was there. I was going everywhere, enjoying nothing. I was going everywhere in my life. I was peace process in Israel, flying in on a G6, military around, middle of Amman, Jordan with King Hussein. I've been there, Princess Diana's death. I've been there, Michael Jackson's funeral. I've been these places and wasn't enjoying anything. Because if you don't enjoy yourself, you don't enjoy anything. So when you talk about that guy that that you saw, but did you get around them? Like, how important is it for you yeah. to be around people that you want to be like? And how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, you're going to, you know, eagles, they, they, they mate with eagles. They mate in the air. They always hang out with people. I mean, I always think about, you hang out, walk with wise people, you become wise. You hang out with fools. Your life unravels. And most people, they hang out with people that want to fondle them, but not forward them. <laughs> and they yeah, I wish you could see Eli's Ooh. face right now. Yeah. Well, they, they do. They choose parasites. Parasites want what's in your hand, but they don't want what's in your heart. Parasites just want you to sponsor their life, keep things as they are. And a lot of times, I think people like, they like to go to, you knew me when crap. I remember when I knew you when, they want to talk about old things. Man, I, I can honor that, but I don't want to live there. I want to know, like, I want to be around people that sharpen me, they deepen me, they make me more sensitive, make me more caring, compassionate. That doesn't happen by chance. The scripture, the wisdom of the Bible says, choose your associations wisely. You become like the people you're around. There's a Hebrew word, it shocks, it rubs off on you. And I don't want people with sloppy habits around me because I'm going to become sloppy. Right. That corrupt, that'll corrupt me. I don't want people that are always negative, always talking crap on people, gossiping about people, talking about what can't happen, why this won't work. It's amazing. Do you know that we're told the word, like, say, I can't. 177,000 times by the age of 17. But we're only told the word I can 5,000 times, psychologists say. So most people have a mentality, and I'll think about this. Let's just look at this. Their psychology. 86% of what people feel in their emotions is what they speak out of their mouth on a daily basis. And if people are low emotionally, when they feel less, they risk less, they love less, they give less, they're less present. They're less of everything. That's all because of this mentality, the way that people think. It's not going to, this can't happen. This can't, you hang around those kind of people, their cancel begin to silence your wants. Mm. And I found, man, I don't know about you. I want to partner with people that are going somewhere on purpose. They don't need to be doing the exact thing I'm doing or be just like me, but I want people that are going to sharpen me, put an edge in, exposure expands. Right. That's exposure expands for me there's there's certain people that i want to be around you know that i can learn something from them financially but i can't learn anything yeah. from them spiritually and then you know vice versa and that's why I, you know i diversify who i hang out with and i just don't you know live in a christian bubble or a secular bubble or mainstream but whatever you want yeah everyone has something that they can offer and you know i like you know, miles monroe said you know there's over seven billion people on the planet and none of them have your fingerprints you know, you're born an original. Don't die a copy. Exactly. The one I love. What I got said, but. Well, Nipsey hustled. He he passed, I think, last year. Nipsey said something great. 
If you look at the people in your life and you don't get inspired and challenged to be something more, you don't got a click, you got a cage. <laughs> and it's the truth. Nipsey just busting out something. I don't know any of his rap songs, but I do know that little quote he gave. And I think it's true. And you got to ask yourself, are the people that are in me, are they making me richer? Are they making me poor? Are they making me more sensitive? Are they making me more compassionate? Are they making me more creative? Or are they doling me? Are they making me more bored? Are they keeping me the same? Because you're going to go, birds of a feather flock together. It's the truth, huh? Yep. And Man, I definitely don't want pigeons around. Pigeons will crap all over my dreams. You get around chickens, they flap, but they don't fly. Uh, but you want around people that are willing to take chance, willing to be risk takers, willing to do things. Here's when you say willing to, you know, do things. This will be, you know, my last question. I hate to let you go, but, you know, for time-wise, it's, it's got to end somewhere. And I could sit here and talk to you for four hours. Hard. <laughs> so you said, I th I'm thinking of this word, and this would be, my, I guess, my last question to you is, how important is your faith or how important is faith? I'm not just saying like, oh, faith to go to heaven someday, give your life to Jesus, so you can go to heaven. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living life here, now, on earth, faith. Why is that important? How important is it to you? Because without faith, you don't have peace and you don't have joy. So um, bottom line is this. Faith is, uh, allows you to have peace of mind, peace of heart. It allows you to go forward and not stay stuck where you are. And through the Bible, he said, through faith, you have joy in your life. Man, that would be the worst experience, accomplishing everything, being a human doing, doing it all, and you don't have any joy. You don't have any pleasure in your life. You're always going somewhere. Man, that's one thing that I'm, I'm committed to living in, is living in peace and living in joy. Living in peace and living in joy. When I joy, I have strength, man. You're only as strong as the level of your joy. And if you don't have faith, why are a lot of people eight right now? Suicides up 8,000% while COVID recovery rate is 99.7. And then they want to give you a, oh, I shouldn't talk. I'm going to get myself in trouble. No, go they ahead. Want to, they want to give you something that has uh, the vaccine only has a 95% recovery rate. Why would you take a vaccine? That's 4% less than the recovery rate without it. But suicide and depressions up 8,000%. People are joyless and peaceless, and a lot of it is because their faith, they've stopped using their faith. It's a gift. Everybody has it. God gave it to them, and it can grow and it can span. Your weaknesses can turn to strength. You can break out through faith out of a spirit of defeat and break back into a place of dominion, conquering, winning, overcoming, achieving, and all those things. Every great comeback story, there was faith involved, that I'm a product of my past, but I'm not going to live as a prisoner of it. I'm not going to sit and settle here, but I'm going to stretch beyond. Some of those stretch are steps. People don't like steps because steps aren't sexy. Everyone likes to jump to the success. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows this, but we don't think it sometimes through. It doesn't happen that way. You work it. Yeah. Dave Chappelle, how many years of David Chappelle, the best comedian on the planet right now, was told you suck, you're not good enough. He was booed off the stage all the time. And he would be telling jokes in the middle of Central Park for years, Jeez. writing the comedy scripts that now people pay hundreds of millions for. He was back there. Steve Harvey, living in the middle of a car, now worth 100 million freaking dollars just 20 years ago. He said he used his faith and brushed out. Kevin Hart, his mother, it was, you know, talked about, he said, it was my mama's faith that kept making me move me in certain yeah. directions. Let me tell you something. Faith is a, 
all equal opportunity for everyone. (laughs) And you can decide to have faith. You don't feel faith. You decide to have faith. The object of your faith determines how high you go. If you're the object of your faith, you can only go as high as you can go. But man, you shift that faith to God, all things become possible with him. And he's not intimidated by your weakness. He's not intimidated by your past. He's not intimidated by your present, your addictions, the things that nobody else knows about you. He's for you. He's got a good plan for you. It won't quit. But when you put your faith in that, man, you start to start to find his super can hit your natural, turn things, get you out of things and get you into things. I think one of the coolest things you ever told me is faith doesn't make things easy. It makes makes things possible. I love you, man. Faith faith is not convincing God to go big. It's just joining life, God, in a life that's bigger than the one you got. Now you know why we have the best guests on the show. You're welcome. That was Rex Crane. Rex, I got a couple things here that I wrote down. Everyone can follow you at Rex Crane. It's R-E-X-C-R-A-I-N. They can go to RexCrane.com and see you. They can follow you on all social media. Highly recommend you follow them on Instagram. That's Rex Crane, C-R-A-I-N, with a Rex in front of it. You got something going on right now called Command Your Power. It's a six-month course, so you've already kind of started it, but how can people get in with you? Because, hey, again, I was on the outside in the back row of 7,000 people. There's nothing special about me. I just wanted more and had faith, and I wanted to be around him. Here we are. I'm around him. He's my friend. How could people see you, get around you, and get coaching with you? I think that's a great way. If you go to rexcrane.com and write and let us know what you're looking to do, what you want to improve, whether you would like to, uh, if you're looking for coaching, if you're looking to boost your business, we, uh, we do the personal development for, uh, I think there's three Fortune 500 companies right now that we're a part of, that we do all the personal development and growth and scaling uh, and growing the person while growing the productivity. So if this is you and you're ready to take charge of your life, ready to master a certain area, or maybe just close the gap, you know what to do. You're just trying to find little triggers to be able to stay consistent and whatnot. This is the place for you. And uh, if, if you'll go ahead and write in, we'll go ahead and respond to you, connect with us on social media. And uh, someone will get back with you here within 24 hours and uh, look forward to uh, being a part of your journey, your success story. What if I am a broke 18-year-old living with my parents or a middle-aged school teacher that is, you know, pretty satisfied with my life, but I'm not rich and I don't have a lot of resources? Can I still be in the room with you? Can I talk to you? Can I get around you? Absolutely. And I think, too, there's things that you and I are going to do to help people that are doing that right now in the next year. And so they need to be able to write in both to the show and to you and I, and we're going to find ways that we can coach people to help them level up all the time where we do this on a more consistent, on a consistent basis to where maybe it's a 15 minute jolt every couple of weeks or whatever, but we're going to find a way so we can really uh, help people live up in this down world. Amen. No destiny left behind. Everybody is included. Everybody is welcome. Rex, I love you. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks on for Level having today. me. You are the man. Man, this is cool stuff. I love you. Absolutely. I love you too. And this has been another episode of Level Up.